I do want to remind you that this uh, call is searchable on your iPhone through iTunes or your Android through Google Play. Uh, search the Sylvester team. That should pop right up. Um, want to also uh, remind you that we this month are rereading How I Raised Myself from Failure to Success and Selling by Frank Betcher because it is an all-time classic. And if you haven't read it, I just have to remind you that you're really not serious about this business or your business because that is the way to improve yourself as CEO of your own business is to personally develop through reading. Um, <clears throat> Dick has wanted to talk to you this morning about leads, um, the psychology of the lead, and what to expect when you call a lead. Would that would you agree, Dick? Um, this is one of the most important things that we do is working leads and understanding that. But before I jumped into that, I want to remind everybody, if you haven't listened to the call yesterday that Equus did where Nick Burns was on, Nick and his brother, brother Jonathan, <coughs> excuse me, had a very successful final expense business. And um, in 2012, they met John Kite. And John really drove home the point with both of them. They were very, very good at what they did. But John, through mentorship with them and me with mentorship with you here today, really emphasized the power and the need to read. Because when we think we're good, that keeps us from getting great. And Jonathan and Nick both started reading, and it literally has changed their life. They went from a good agency to a, I won't say great, but a pretty pretty close to being great agency, and now the reading has taken them to the next level. So, guys, do take, take that uh, for what it's worth. It's going to be a huge part of your life. Zig Ziglar uh, really used to emphasize that and mentored me through books and, and uh, tapes over the years. So... Reading is very important. Today, I wanted to go over the psychology of the phone script um, because we do work for, with leads. The psychology of how you work with the leads is important. The lifeblood of our industry is leads. But understanding the psychology of the script, now Connie had pointed out, we have a script, and I'm going to break it down for you today. I'm actually going to go through it and break it down. But I wanted to first cover the psychology of why we do what we do. And the first point is this. Well, when someone answers the phone, you have 10 seconds to capture their attention. Stop and think about when a telemarketer or somebody trying to sell something calls your house. Most of the time, you're going to hang up. But if they have a very unique way of capturing your attention, they have an opportunity to present what they're doing. Your clients are the same way. So understand 10 seconds is all you have. If there's one thing you can't mess up or blow is the first 10 seconds of the call. The second point is this. You have about three and a half minutes to set the appointment. How do you get from 10 seconds to three and a half minutes? You move from that point through the questions you ask, and we'll actually go through that, and the way you handle your voice. We'll go through that when I go through the script. Third point is the longer, longer the conversation goes, the lower the probability will be that you will set an appointment or that they will keep it if you do set it. 
And the reason being, if you meander and wander on and on and on, they're thinking, there is no way I'm going to meet this person either on a virtual sale or on an in-home situation because I'll never get rid of them. That's what's going through their mind. So, you know, learn to be very uh, business-like, cordial. They don't need any more friends right now. They have all the friends they need. So your job is not to make a friend. Your job is to set an appointment. The fourth thing is um, when you do present the times to meet with them, you provide them with the times. You know, I have a, a two and a four this afternoon. You determined you prefer, you know, I'm talking to virtual people here, but if you're seeing people in the home, do you prefer morning, afternoon, or evening? Well, I prefer afternoon. Early afternoon or late afternoon? Well, late afternoon. Well, I have a three and a five o'clock. So give them two times that day because so many new agents say, well, when would be a convenient time to meet? And the phone goes goes dead. Nobody says anything. And the client doesn't know what times you have. And as a result, an appointment is not made. So you provide them. You lead them where you want them to go. Now, once you have the appointment set, we use the tie-down. And after you set the appointment, um, the tie-down solidifies the appointment. However, the tie-down's got to be in their best interest, not yours. For example, here's a tie-down that does not work. You know, well, I'm really busy. Is there any chance you may not be available when I call today at 4 o'clock? Well, that's purely in your best interest and your best interest on display, and they could care less. They're not interested in what you want because that's being very selfish on our part to assume that. So that's why we use the code number because it leads to a, the way we've structured it, it leads to a benefit for them. And we're going to uh, use either foreclosure protection or equity protection, depending on their age and their health. But that's a tie down, and that's why we do that, because they see more benefit in answering the phone when you call back or meeting you at the home when you get there because it's in their best interest. That's why they want to meet you, because it's going to help them. And then the sixth thing is to understand that the tone of your voice conveys what you intended to say more than what you actually say. And the tone, um, that is one of the things that it, it's, it's a practiced art. You know, um, I remember Zig Ziglar telling uh, a story about being in a Walmart and his three-year-old had a, a lisp and he didn't say his T's very well. And uh, he wanted a ball. And his dad said, no, we've got enough balls. And after thinking about it, the little boy says, Daddy, you know, if you might be the ball, I'll give you a kiss. And he, what, the way he said it, there was no way Zig was going to get out of the store without buying that ball. And it's kind of the same way with our clients, guys. If we learn to use our voice properly, it makes all the difference in the world. And then the seventh thing is, is to understand the cadence with which your voice reveals two things. It either reveals your level of confidence with which you speak or the lack thereof. Either one of which, one you want to develop and the other you want to figure out how to overcome. Now, 
why use the script we've put together versus other scripts that you see floating around out there? Well, some of the other scripts out there may be good, but you've got to understand a little more about them. They may sound good to you, but they were actually designed under different circumstances. You know, they there may have been uh, the type of lead they were designed for. They may have been done by a person that was in a different marketplace than you. You know, when you're working rural Arkansas versus Atlanta, those people respond differently. So you need to have a script that's going to appeal to either a a general audience or one that's going to appeal to specific. And I know a lot of people love the script that doesn't ask any of the health questions. Why don't they? Because it's easy. They don't have to find out anything. However, they quadruple the workload when it comes time to try to get the people either on the phone for a virtual sale or in the home because they don't know where they're going to go. Knowing know before you go is a very important part of what we do. So that's why we use uh, the script that we put together. Uh, you've got to understand some of the agents are working maybe just a lead or a different type of lead. That has a, uh, a whole different approach. Um, there's a host of reasons. Some some of the people, because of the markets they're in, they're going to be successful in spite of themselves with a little understanding of the psychology of the process. Understanding that, taking into consideration some of the things you're going to learn today, I think it's going to make a difference for you. So uh, let's be, uh, most of the companies we use uh, that are in our business use virtually the same script. So if you understand that, and you are the fourth or fifth person to call. So many of the people, they will respond to two or three different leads. They come in. Um, you know, so many people are in this microwave mentality today where I requested information, I didn't get it immediately, therefore I'll reach out again. That's why it's important that you reach out to them as soon as you get your leads. So if you are the second or third or fourth or the fifth person to call them, if they've had a bad response or bad situation with the people they've worked with so far, as soon as if you're using the same script they are, and I think most of you know there's six companies that do what we do, and there's a good chance these people have reached out to one or two of them. If that's the case, and some of them are, uh, the companies are very aggressive, so if they've ruffled these people's feathers, if they think you are in that bunch, at that point in time, you're either going to they're going to be mad because you've called and someone else has already reached out to, or they're just going to hang up. Either way, it's a lose lose situation. So we are going to approach this a little bit differently. We're going to approach it from the um, we're going to be cordial, but we're going to be more business like. We are not going to use words and phrases that telemarketers use. And we're not going to use words and phrases that other people in our industry use so it separates us out. So I'm actually going to go through the phone script now. And then after I'm finished, I'm literally going to break down what we just went through. And what I want you to listen to, I want you to follow a little bit with me with the cadence and with the tone and the inflection that I use in the voice. And when I will speed up a little bit or slow down when I'm trying to make a point, those are areas that will make a difference with you. For example, here we go. Uh, we'll go ring, ring, ring. Um, 
Hello, Connie? Yes. Uh, this is Dick Sylvester. I'm calling about your mortgage with SunTrust Bank. Our records indicate that the mortgage protection hasn't been taken care of yet. I've been assigned your case, but I need a little more information to give you a quote. Do you have just a moment? Uh, sure. Our records indicate your mortgage is $338,000. Is that about right? Yes, it is. And there are two uh, ages listed. Your husband's age is 49, but he didn't give us his birth date. It's uh, January 1st of uh, 1952. And uh, does he smoke or chew or use any tobacco products? He does not. And what is his height and weight? He's uh, 5'5", 152. And uh, your birth date or your age was 43, but you didn't give us your birth date either. Uh, Mine's uh, 1-1-19-1-1. One one, whatever. And uh, height and weight for you? Uh, Five foot, uh, one ten. And do you use any tobacco products? I do not. And do either of you have any health issues we should know about, you know, uh, blood pressure, cholesterol, diabetes, anything of that nature? Uh, We're both on blood pressure. And have you on one, two, or three meds for your blood pressure? Oh, just one. One each. And in the last uh, several years, have either of you had any major or minor uh, surgeries, uh, cancer, stroke, heart attack, anything of that nature? We have not. Okay. And um, what is his occupation? He's an accountant. And what about yours? I'm a teacher. All right. I'm going to put 15 or 20 different proposals together for you. I'll pick the best three or four out of those. When would be a convenient time to sit down uh, with the two of you to go over those? Do you prefer morning, afternoon, or evening? Oh, wow. Let's let's do late evening. Late evening. And when you say late evening, I've got a 6 and an 8 open today, and I've got a 4 and an 8 open tomorrow. Uh, let's take that 8 o'clock tomorrow. And with that in mind, um, I need to have you grab a pen and paper and write something down for me. Um, uh, uh, okay. Okay. Let's Ready? Go. Yeah. All right. This is a verification code. It's EF three six eight four two one. Um. Okay. Got it. And if someone else should call you, I just want you to know if they don't have that code, you're talking to the wrong person. And the reason that's so important. When we talk because of that code, it looks like you and Dick might qualify for foreclosure protection. Most of the plans out there do not have foreclosure protection. It appears you may qualify for that, and that code will will key me in on making sure I go over that with you. And then again, what time did we say? Uh, Let's see, tomorrow night at 8. Tomorrow night at 8. Okay. Uh, Look forward to helping you. And uh, I am booked solid tomorrow. So if I'm a few minutes late getting on the phone with you, it's going to be some probably sometime between 8 and 8.30. Will that still work for you? Oh, absolutely. Great. All right, so let's go back through and um, unpack what we did. You'll notice when I said, hello, hello, Connie, when you say it that way, if it's very difficult for them to say, who is this? Because you sound more like a friend and and they're they're just going to answer you. When I role play with agents, sometimes, hello, John. It's funny how many times they say yes, even though we're role playing, because of the way you ask the question. So that's that's one of the first things to remember. I'm calling about your mortgage with SunTrust Bank. Our records indicate. All right, now, 
if your mortgage, and remember when I said some of the basic principles of what we do is um, you have to capture their attention in the first 10 seconds. Hello, John. That captures their attention. You need three and a half minutes to set the appointment. Well, how do you get three and a half minutes of their time? You do that through the questions you ask. For example, if I called anybody on this call today, and there's a bunch of you on here, and I said, hey, I'm calling about your mortgage with SunTrust Bank, and your mortgage with SunTrust Bank is with SunTrust Bank, what's your first thought? Oh, my gosh, didn't you get the payment? What's wrong? So you capture their attention, you buy time through the questions you ask. Now, if you notice, I'm calling about your mortgage with SunTrust Bank, our records. See, I didn't stop at the end of the sentence because most of the clients, and I say most because a few of them don't care about being rude, but most of them, <coughs> they really don't want to be rude. So when I call, they're they're poised to jump right in at the end of the sentence, we're not interested, we've already bought, uh, it's too expensive. There's about four different things you will hear uh, about why they're no longer a prospect, okay? Their timing is set. As soon as you stop at the end of that sentence, they're jumping in there to tell you and uh, their reason for not doing anything. Well, if you mess their timing up by stopping in the middle of the next sentence, they're not prepared for that. They missed the opportunity because you didn't stop. And when you did, they're waiting for the, you get to the end of the next sentence. So understanding that's why we don't stop at the end of that sentence. Now, a lot of times when people say we've already bought, they really haven't bought. But, you know, they had a bad experience with somebody before. They're just not interested in, in talking to anybody about it. They don't see the value or the benefit to it. And, and it's mostly because they don't understand the value to it. However, we know 91% of the time if the people don't have mortgage protection, when one of the breadwinners die, that family is going to lose their home in nine months due to foreclosure. See, understanding that, that kind of changes our attitude. Guys, this is not a lead. This is a family. This is a family that if he doesn't come home or she doesn't come home because of a car wreck or a heart attack, that family is going to lose their home. We've had numerous agents over the years that have started doing this with us, and a number of clients have said, you know, when my dad died, the wheels fell off of our family. We had to move out of the house we grew up in. My brother and my sister and I, we all had to drop out of college, and our life changed forever. And a $250,000 life insurance policy would have made it possible for them to have finished that year of college and their, and their mother would not have lost the home. We've had too many situations over the years where we've seen that. So you have an advantage. You're looking at this thing up above the whole scenario. So you've got that flexibility. And now it's our job to figure out a way to convey that you know, so that they see the value and what we're looking at here. So when we go through, I need a little more information to give you a quote. Do you have just a moment? You know, a lot of agents will say, do you have a few minutes? And I say, well, did you say the same thing I did in the script? Yep, a few minutes. Well, to you, a few minutes may be the same as just a moment, but it's not to the client. 
A few minutes to the client when they realize you're going to try to sell them something is 20 minutes. They just know that. You have a minute. That's 10 minutes. They feel totally justified in saying, no, we don't have the time because they don't have 10 or 20 minutes. You call me and you try to get sell me something, you're going to take 10 to 20 minutes of my time. Guys, I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not going to listen to that. But if you would say, do you have just a moment? And you, you can't say, do you have just a moment? Uh, John, do you have just a moment? Well, for them to say, no, they don't have just a moment would be rude because everybody's got just a moment. Now you're still going to get some that will hang up and be nasty. But as a rule, we're tilting the table in your favor. Do you have just a moment? And you have to ask it again, like, hello, hello, Connie. There are ways you raise your voice so you drive home the point. That's one of those times right there. Now, our record, I had a, an agent the other day. Actually, I had two or three of them this past week or so. It says here, you know, no, those are words telemarketer and salesman use. Our records indicate your mortgage is $346,000. Is that about right? And again, is that about right? See, even if they think you're from the bank, if you know it's $346,000, they don't remember the $749 that goes with it, $346,749. They don't remember the seven forty nine, dollars but trust me, they remember the three forty six. So if you ask three forty six seven forty nine, a lot of these people, even if they're not going to buy something from you, they don't want to lie to you. Then when you throw in those those last three digits of the mortgage, now you put them in a position where they may have to lie because they don't remember the 749. So don't add that in there and confuse the situation. Is it a big deal? No, but every little thing makes a difference. And if we can eliminate a little confusion, that's the purpose in doing that. Now, why do we ask the health questions? Well, first off, People kind of get the sense and understand this is life insurance of some sort. And people understand that if you've got cancer, you're probably not going to get it. So it's okay to drill down a little bit, but we don't interrogate. For example, when I asked Connie about blood pressure medications, frankly, if I don't care if it's blood pressure, I don't care what the medication is for blood pressure. All I do care about is how many you're on, because with Foresters, if you're on three blood pressure medications, you're not very well controlled. That's an automatic decline. I don't care if it's lisinopril or whatever. It doesn't matter, but I do care how many. Now, when we're talking about cancer, yeah, we need to know if it was six months ago or 22 years ago. We need to know a little more about that sort of thing. If we're talking about diabetes, put out a questionnaire, a diabetes questionnaire somewhere off of one of the carriers and learn what questions are important to them so that you can ask the right You need to know how long they've had it. That's important. And don't ask all four questions at once like, well, how long have you had it? What are you taking for it? Is it mild, moderate, or severe? And um, whatever. Ask each question individually. Diabetes, well, how long have you been a diabetic? Well, seven years. How are you doing with that? Guys, they'll tell you everything. Oh, I'm doing great, you know, or whatever. But um, what if you got a diabetes? How long have you had it? Now, would you consider yours mild, moderate, or severe? Well, it's mild. And what are you taking for it? See, now, the only thing on diabetes we add is A1C. 
because that's an important thing. But I'm just trying to point out to you here, if it's a, a lesser illness, we just want the med. If it's a more serious illness, you got to drill down and ask those four questions. Those things will make a big difference so that I can help you know before you go. You know, uh, when people get on the phone with me, we literally design a plan that you're going to show the people, and I'm going to show you or explain to you what to show them, what to sell them, and how to sell it if we know that information. So um, the, the surgeries, those are things I, I've had a number of times. I get in the house. The guy's healthy as a horse now, but he had open-heart surgery 18 months ago. And I ask, I thought you were healthy. I am now. They, re- they really think they are. And for some people, they don't. Once they had the surgery, they, they really don't realize there's an issue there. Now, occupation, excuse me, occupation. Why do we ask the occupation? That's not critical or crucial, but it is important in the fact that, remember the psychology that we went through when we started this process here? If I know what their occupation is, that tells me a little bit about how they think. So if I've got a guy that's a brick mason living in a, $480,000 house, you know, I'm pro- that guy is probably not going to shop me online. They want something that's easy and quick and are good candidates as a role for return of premium versus if I've got a CPA in a $480,000 house, they think differently. So it just gives me a little bit better idea on how I'm going to present the numbers. Again, it's not going to make or break the sale necessarily it just gives you a a little bit of an advantage when you do that now i noticed in the script here it says we're going to put several options together i always spell out 15 or 20. i'm going to put 15 and and the reason 15 or 20 is more important than the word several several doesn't imply you're doing that much work but this was birthed out of a call i made six months after i started this business and back in that day, literally, we would I would put 12 or 15 proposals together because of the nature of the products we were using. And then I would pick the ones that I felt best about. And a lady hit me up one day, and she said, would you send me something? And she hit my buttons wrong. And I said, send you something. I said, I'm going to put 15 or 20 different proposals together. I wouldn't even know which one to send you. She goes, oh, I didn't realize you were working that hard on this. I'll see you Tuesday at 6. Well, guys, that was in September of 96, and that became a permanent part of my phone script back then, and it hasn't changed since then. So that's a really big point in why we do this. Let them know you're going to be doing a lot of work and that you're going to pick out the best three or four so that they don't have to wade through all 15 of them. And um, and then, of course, the, uh, the code, you know, I think we've pretty well covered that. But that is going to be a thing that's going to be different for you because when they write that code down, if anybody else does call and doesn't have it, Marcia had one a couple of weeks ago. Uh, she inadvertently called the same client back. And about five seconds into the conversation, she realized it was somebody she had already set an appointment with, but she didn't want to sound silly like I'm calling you back again. Woman didn't realize Marcia and the original person were the same one. She goes, oh, no, I can't talk to you. You don't have the code. That's the purpose of this. 
so that we establish we are different, we've got something unique for them. And, um, and then making sure that when we talk, we cover the thing that's in their best interest, not our best interest. So these are things on the phone script that I think are extremely important. Now, I would like to go over a little bit about selling today because once you set the appointment, you know, understand the second part of the phone presentation is about um, how to sell them and, and how to take it to the next level. And, you know, what the selling is all about is literally revealing the weakness in their plan because they've all got a plan. Most of them, it's hope and, hope and pray, you know, hope and pray I don't die. That's, that's the plan. But whatever their plan is, even if it's a good one, there's some weakness there. And I've made a lot of sales by just pointing out a couple simple weaknesses here. So, you know, I want to go back to the equity protection example. Um, wait a second here. It, um, equity protection is a real big part of what we do. But when you look at what a lead is, a lead is a reason to talk to people who have expressed an interest in what you're selling. Now, why do people respond to our solicitations? You know, whether it's a, a direct mail lead, a IVR, or whatever, an internet lead, why did they respond to it? Well, they have an interest in what we're selling, and that spawns a desire for more information. So if you will start to understand that, along with the phone script that we just talked about here, it it spawns a desire for more information. So if you can approach it from that standpoint with the understanding that your purpose and goal is to provide some of that information and provide it in such a way that they want it. Uh, see, most people see and acknowledge they have a small problem. That's why they sent the letter back or the request back. It's our job to see if that problem is small are so small that there really is no need. You know, there are times when the wife sent something back and the husband literally has everything covered. That's okay. We don't need to argue with them or fuss with them or get upset with them. She just didn't know. And it allows us then to have closure. Uh, or, and this is usually the case, uh, there is more of a problem than they realize. Let me give you an example. Um, Using equity protection, uh, mo a lot of clients think, well, if if I die, my kids can make my house payment until it's sold. And for many of them, that's true today. If mom and dad die today, that is true. But mom and dad never die at the right time. Okay, so we need to point out, you know, you know, we had a family whose husband or uh, son worked for the FBI. He could have made payments on three or four houses; wouldn't have been a problem. You know. But mom and dad never died at the right time. Johnny had a massive coronary. He could barely make his own house payment when mom and dad died. When he really needed the equity out of mom and dad's house, there was no one there to make that payment. And they, all that equity went to a stranger. If something like that should happen to you, how would that change your life? You know, um, these are questions and issues 
that we really need to bring to their eye, their mind because they don't think about that stuff. That's what selling is all about. And uh, the when you ask that question, if that happened to you, what what are we doing there? We're exposing the pain. We're really revealing the pain. You know, um, that actually happened with me with the FBI, incidentally. You know, people don't think about that. And that's why Podcast 80, for those of you that have listened to it, is so important if you can master that because that allows you to set the stage, tee the ball up, and, and knock it out of the park most of the time. Asking the questions is what makes a difference. Now, on the virtual sales, when you call back after setting the appointment, this is going to happen pretty much automatically on in-home presentations. But on the virtual sales, when you call back after setting the appointment, say that morning, don't assume that they remember anything about the conversation. You may have pointed out to them um, the, the equity protection plan or covering part of the mortgage in order just to get the appointment. Don't assume they remember it all, but also remember if there's a spouse, they didn't hear any of that, okay? So it's your job to go back and review the pain points. You know, if you undercover, uncovered any pain in the first conversation, go back over that. You know, now, John, t this morning we talked about you know, God forbid something happened to you, you know, um, Mary would not be able to make the house payment. Since we talked, has anything changed? Has any money surfaced or any thought process that would change that where she could stay in the house? No. Okay, so now, um, would you, Mary, I just want to point out to you that we don't have this happen often, but John, just so you know what he and I talked about earlier, uh, he wanted to make sure that if something happened to him, you could either stay in the house with no mortgage payment or you would have enough money if he died, say, in 15 years to pay the mortgage down so low that the new payment would be less than rent. Would that be important to you if, God forbid, John didn't make it home because of a car wreck or heart attack. See, you're drawing her into the situation here so that as you go through this, she's on board. She's seeing the benefit for her, not seeing another payment, vice versa. If you had her on the phone, you get John on that evening, John needs to know the pain that, that Mary had when you set the appointment because, I mean... Every once in a while, we hear something where the the husband will say, well, we don't need this. And the salesperson will say, well, Mary was uncomfortable when I talked to her this morning for fear if you didn't come home because of a car wreck or heart attack, she couldn't make the house payment and she would lose the home. Mary, has anything changed since we talked this morning? No. It's amazing how many times the husband is stunned by that revelation absolutely stunned. So these are the reasons we go back through some of this stuff to continually uncover the pain. It all falls in line with the psychology of setting the appointment. And I hope if what we've covered today, you understand, include them when you're doing the presentation. Don't assume anything, but understand as you go through the phone script, there are ways you can make yourself more effective. There are Appointments that you will not get today, if you had the exact same scenario two weeks or a month from now, 
you would set that appointment only because you've gotten better and you've learned more about how this works.